The Walk the Mile podcast is produced on Gadigal land. I acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which Skeg Starlinghurst stands, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and pay my respects to elders past and present. May our reconciliation be an ongoing process of love and compassion. Hello everyone, I'm Gary Lee Lindsay, school chaplain at Skeggs Darlinghurst, and you're listening to Walk the Mile, a podcast that opens up conversations that we need to have. Welcome everyone, good to have you back with us again, or if this is the first time you've listened to Walk the Mile, our podcast, uh, wherever you are throughout the world, I hope whatever you're facing, you're getting what you need and everything's going okay for you. Today, I'm very fortunate to have a very special guest with us. Her name is Nicole Yade. How are you, Nicole? I'm so well. Thank you so much for the invitation. It's so lovely to be with you. It's great to have you here, Nick. Look, I've known Nicole since she started as the, uh, you're the general manager, we would call you that, the general manager yes. of Lou's Place. Lou's Place is a women's day refuge uh, in King's Cross down Victoria Street. For those of you who know Victoria Street, down just down from King's Cross Station. And Skeggs has had a long connection with, Lou's place. Some uh, some of the mothers of some of the daughters that uh, were at Skeggs originally were part of the group that that started Lou's place. It does a great job in East Sydney, but not just East Sydney. It reaches out to a lot of women throughout Sydney you know, for a lot of needs. So Nick, can you tell us again when did you start working at Lou's? Would you believe it's almost four years ago now? Four years, wow. I know, it's crazy. So that's how long we've known each other, Gary. And it's been such a pleasure to get to know you over those four years. And it's always, you've always got a wise ear for me and (laughs) um, some good advice and I've really appreciated it. And I know that, you know, the whole family at Luz is really... um, appreciative of the long-term support and commitment and friendship that we have with Skeg. So, you know, huge thanks to everyone in the community there for, for the love and ongoing support. You know, we just couldn't do what we do in the community without that support. Our service receives no government funding at all. That has changed a little bit with COVID. We've just had some funding for one position, so a little correction, but mm-hmm. You know, traditionally we haven't and, you know, it really has relied on donations from members of the public to to help get us through and every single one of those donations helps us do the job that that we're up against every day. So we really, really appreciate all that support. Oh, that's great. And it's been a a pleasure to be involved with uh, Lou's Place over the years. It started with the group called the Marmalade Foundation. Can you tell us something about that? 
Yeah, so the Marmalade Foundation owns and operates Lou's Place. So it's 22 years old now, our service. And, and those were the days when um, even women who were in refuges were asked to leave the refuge during the day. And right. there was a bit of that philosophy that... Um, idle minds, idle hands, you know, and people should be out looking for work. And we've moved on from that now. You know, we know that people actually need a bit of intensive time just to recover and get things back together. Um, But in those early days of lose, our founders thought these women need somewhere to go in the day, Mm. a place to rest, to recuperate, to be off the street. You know, if it's raining, God, you know, they need to be inside, keeping warm and safe. The service was really founded with an amazing community of volunteers. So at the moment, about 100 volunteers in an average month you know, when it's not COVID, come through the centre and share their talents and skills. A masseur comes and gives free massages. Someone who's a music teacher gives free music lessons. You know, you name it, it happens at Luz. And we rely on those amazing volunteers and their hearts to, um, you know, give people a bit of a distraction from what might be going on in their life. Yeah. Give them a chance to explore something new, have a bit of joy, you know, just have some time where they feel cared for and supported. So you created a community, I guess, created a community for people to, for women to belong to and to learn things. What else would you say? Yeah, look, the staff team there provide all the therapeutic services. So Mm -hmm. we have you know, formal case management services. So a woman can come in and um, meet with a worker, set some goals and, you know, work towards those goals. We also have a therapeutic group work program. So our main focus there is around domestic violence education and thinking about healthy relationships where groups of women can come together and think about what domestic violence looks like, what's the cycle of violence all about, what are red flags potentially in relationships. Um, And we also run a new program that we've developed over the last couple of years called Always Mum. And that program is for mothers who have children in out-of-home care or foster care. Right. And our work in that program is um, parenting education and helping those mums reconnect with their children and rebuild their relationships. And when it's safe to do so, help them bring their children home. Wow, that's incredible. And that sounds quite unique because I've been hearing a lot more stories about people's experiences in out-of-home care. I think they often get forgotten that section, doesn't it? The, The parents, the biological parents and their their want and their desire to be that parent to be involved in their children's lives yeah you're absolutely right and that kind of starts with our philosophy which is in the title of the program which is always mum yeah and sometimes that you know life can throw you some curveballs <laughs> and mm. people can have some really hard experiences and you know it might not be safe for kids to be with at home with their mum at a certain point in time, but you are still always somebody's mum. And it's 
it's that kind of philosophy and that approach that we use in our work with the women to say, hey, those kids need you and let's help you get things back on track so you can have a really positive, healthy relationship with your kids. Because what we know is that kids do better when they know that mum's around and loves them and cares for them, even if they're not living with mum. And we also know that mums do better when they have a good relationship with their kids. So it makes sense for us to, you know, put that work in and help people rebuild those relationships and work towards getting them right. That's right. That parent-child relationship, no matter how damaged or what it contains, it still holds something quite sort of inexplicable, isn't it, that that needs some repair, some... That's right. And it's a very precious kind of bond, isn't it? And Mm. I think, you know, so many um, young people that we are aware of leave out-of-home care or foster care on their own two feet. You know, they run away from foster care back to their mothers. Yeah. So why not put the work in with those mums to help them get their lives back on track? So when the kids decide to leave foster care if they're not returning through the court system, but when they get old enough to run away back to their mum. They're running away back to a healthier, more stable, loving environment. We're talking about intergenerational stuff here too, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's a great idea. I think it's a fantastic, fantastic program. I feel a little bit fortunate in that, I don't know if this is true, but I think I might be one of the only males that have been allowed to go into Lou's place. I think you're right. When it first opened, I think Deb, who was the general manager then, took me through and just when it first opened, we looked around. But since then, I haven't been able to go in. (laughs) No no males allowed. Mm -hmm. But out of the the females that you have coming to Lou's, what... What would you say or is there a main Mm. category or a certain type, the majority of the type of person that you might be seeing? It is a bit of a mix, but if we were going to put it all into one category, I would say everybody who comes to lose has survived an experience of trauma. The vast majority of the women we support have experienced domestic violence Um, sometimes that's been as a child as well as an adult you know very often the women we support have become homeless because of domestic violence right so um, the number one reason why you know women become homelessness homeless in our community is because of domestic violence right we we meet lots and lots of women who who don't have somewhere safe to stay at the moment and our job is to try and correct that and get them somewhere to stay so they can make different choices in their life yeah that probably makes it sound way too simple it's really you know tricky but you know trying to make sure that women have those options available to them is really really essential yeah I remember speaking a while ago to someone from an organization called women's community shelters Mm. and they were looking at putting a place somewhere in the eastern suburbs uh, like a, a refuge for for women subject to domestic violence particularly and they were saying you know you know the people we might see in king's cross the the street people mm-hmm. there's a lot of people from very well off uh, educated 
families who live in parts of the eastern suburbs who, as you say, subject to domestic violence and then don't know where to turn or yeah. you know, they're ashamed of you know their position and so where do they go from there or how do you talk about it and yeah so no that's our experience too gary that you know domestic violence cuts across all different class backgrounds or ethnic backgrounds or yeah. all the different sectors of society domestic violence is unfortunately in the mix right mm. so you don't have to be from western sydney to experience domestic violence or from a particular religion or anything like that we love and admire the work of women's community shelters they do such incredible work yeah, they do a great job just such a beautiful organization mm. so you know we definitely send lots of women that we need over there to have somewhere safe at night for the women that we work with to stay as well mm. and a little bit vice versa you know sometimes they've got clients that they'll send over to us to participate in some of the programs that we're running so it really does take a community effort to to work on this stuff and yeah. we turn it around as a, as a woman you know you're hearing all of these stories and particularly i'm guessing you know my, most of the stories you're hearing from women involved in domestic violence are you know, experiencing from their male partners. Mm -hmm. how, how does that affect you? Like, I can't imagine that you wouldn't get angry at times. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sometimes, you know, you, you'd be furious, you know, you'd just be so upset and so angry. I mean, other times you end the day just in tears. You know, you're still trying to be professional and make sure the job's done and um, stay focused on on the goals, you know. But absolutely, I think, you know, we're all human at the end of the day and mm. some of the things that you hear about and see in our line of work, they don't get much more heartbreaking, you know. Mm. Well, often the team at Lose will often say, you know, a good day at Lose is one of those amazing, miraculous kind of sun shining angels singing um yeah. just incredible days where you see someone you know leave violence that that kind of sticks and they're setting up a new home and they're maybe getting their first job or going back to TAFE or you know just mm, beautiful days we we get yeah. to see those as well but, I mean, the bad days don't get much worse. You know, you really do meet people where it's pretty dark and it's mm. pretty bleak and, you know, you're not sure if you can help them. They're not sure if they want any help. It's really sad. I think, you know, we are very privileged I feel to be working with many of the women who are sleeping rough around the city of Sydney and you know we know a lot of them and a lot of them have been um, you know sleeping rough for for too long um, yeah. yeah and you know we're we're thinking there about really complex issues really complex mental health really complex issues around you know childhood abuse and mm. Often there's issues around addiction in the mix as well. Yeah. The service system sometimes lets those women down. And, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's really sad. 
How's, how's that number going? Do you think it's growing at the moment under the current circumstances? Or I mean, I think the interesting thing around the coronavirus has been um, the state government has offered hotel accommodation yeah. to a lot of the rough sleepers. You know, there's probably been a few nights in Sydney where, you know, there hasn't been anyone homeless. Yeah, I've noticed that. I remember after last year, and then we started taking food out again and there weren't many people around because they were still staying <laughs> in their hotel rooms or whatever it might be. And I remember also the difficulty of those people coming out of that. Yes. Back into the old context. Some Absolutely. of them even going into that as well. What yeah. I will never forget when the kind of first lockdown happened and, you know, we were trying to keep track of some of our clients, make sure they're okay and where they are and what we can do to support. And um, we went to visit someone in a hotel where they'd been put up, which was fantastic, you know, we were so excited for them and they were really happy about that as well. The hotel that they'd been put up in actually overlooked the park and the spot that they usually slept you know, wow. and I think a lot of the women that I spoke to who were in that situation were very cynical about that support, yeah. you know, and that did and does, I think, impact the engagement workers who were tasked with trying to make progress. Women were saying things to me like, oh, they don't really give a about us, yeah. Nick, you know, it's just that... Um, they're scared we're going to give coronavirus yeah. to everyone else. Yeah. So you watch the second this is over, we'll be back on the street. Yeah. And, you know, for yeah, a lot of people, that. that's right. Yeah, I noticed that as well. And the people I was speaking to, there was a, it was like another element of depersonalising people that in order to address this virus, we'll just move this over here. And then once it's all okay, we'll move them back. Yeah, that's, I guess that's what I was trying to get to. There, there, that's a, yeah. it's a good thing in some respects, but, yeah, it's a, it's a pity that it has that aspect to it. I mean, I've always got my grandma in my ear on this one, you know, like problems that have been, you know, years and years in the making, they're not going to disappear with the very best work in a couple of months. You know, we're talking about people who've really had complex trauma after complex yeah. trauma and they can recover and they do recover and they're still up and at it and giving it all they've got but we need to have a long-term commitment and we need to make sure that the right supports mm. um, that understand trauma that are relational and that really care and have a long-term commitment to people yeah are there you know that it's not just for a season that it's not just while this coronavirus is around let's make sure that you know we're doing the right thing by this particularly marginalized and vulnerable group of women in the long term because that's what it's going to take what about at the moment talking about coronavirus and as i said this is being recorded while mm -hmm. we're still in lockdown mm -hmm. how's lose operating under the current circumstances? Unfortunately, you know, we're not able to run our volunteer services at the moment in terms of the activities that you'd usually see in the house. Yeah. Everything's really just dropped back to the real essential emergency support um, options. But, you know, for those things, we're still there. 
And every day we have women who knock on our door and take away emergency food. And, you know, that's a really important thing to help people get through this pandemic. Mm. And, you know, even while we're, you know, distributing those beautiful meals, which are prepared by volunteers, you know, those chats that we have with those women who are dropping in are really, really important. Yeah. You know, we're also open for women who are in crisis and in emergency situations where maybe they're leaving violence and they need that kind of quick response. Yeah, because that would be difficult, wouldn't it? At the moment, I'm guessing there may be an increase in domestic violence and so there may be more people coming to seek your, your services help. We're certainly noticing an increase in the number of people who are talking to us about a deterioration in their mental health. And, you know, sometimes that's people who are experiencing, you know, really bad depression, maybe for the first time. For a lot of the women that we work with, you know, they've got existing mental health issues that, you know, they're trying to manage and stay on top of. But we're certainly noticing, you know, a lot of those women are doing it really tough. Mm. I think the economic stresses that the pandemic has presented for everyone in the community are definitely putting extra pressures on relationships in families and we're certainly seeing that reflected. I'm not sure just yet if that's translating to a lot more people leaving. Right. I think time will tell on that one. Yeah. In discussions that I have with other women in the sector, you know, a lot of people are anticipating there might be a lot of people leaving once they have the opportunity to and the lockdown ends. It's going to be interesting to see, but I think the important message is to get out there that if you need to leave your home for safety, that is absolutely allowed and you're not going to be fined or in trouble for that. But I'm not sure how far that message has got out there yeah, no, in the community. It's a very good point. Yeah, I, I don't think I've heard that one yeah. myself. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I guess, and I can imagine people would have that question. Or, or in that moment of wanting to leave, you know, all those other questions about restrictions yeah. and so on would come to mind. In the midst of all of this too, oh, just before this happened, I remember getting a message from you saying the exciting news about Lou's are getting to move to a bigger premise. Yes, it is still happening. We're so excited. We, um, you know, are at the tail end of a capital campaign and we've we've raised with the generous, generous support of a wonderful community, um, you know, enough money to purchase a new home for Lou's Place. And um, the reason for that is because we just couldn't or can't keep up in King's Cross with the number of women who are approaching us for assistance. So we're moving to a much larger home and a much flatter home. At the moment, we're in a three-storey terrace in King's Cross. And, you know, I'm sure you know, Gary, that, you know, the fastest growing group of homeless women in in Sydney are older women. Mm. So that stairs where we are at the moment always kind of hearts meet sometimes. So, you know, where we're going, it's much, much flatter and much more accessible for more women. So we're really excited to be. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And it'll be pretty much functioning in a similar way, will it? Or will there be? Yeah extra things because of the space you got are you are you starting to think about other things you can do 
Yeah, I think the the most exciting thing is that we'll just be able to, you know, double our impact and reach more women. But absolutely that core heart and soul of lose, you know, free mm. feed and community of women supporting each other and volunteers mm. coming in doing activity and professional services helping you set goals. That will all still be there. I think the new space will allow us to, you know, run more of our group work program and run it more often and with more people. Mm. So that's just really, really exciting. It's great. And so I'm guessing that from that, being able to move, that you're like what you said before, and I remember, you know, 22 years ago mm. and probably longer than that because I was sort of mainly doing work in the cross in the 90s, which is 22 years ago, I guess. <laughs> but uh, there were a lot more, I guess you were you were catering towards those people around King's Cross, those yeah. women who were mainly homeless, sweet, sleeping rough, yeah. and so on. Whereas today, the ability to move to Redfern, are you saying that you're addressing more women from all over Sydney, you're, mm -hmm. you're connecting with them, but also those women are prepared to come to you from all over Sydney as well. Yeah, absolutely. When I first started at Lose, one of the things that I was really blown away by were how many women, and it's the majority, didn't actually live locally who yeah. were travelling in to, to see yeah. us. Um, the area in Potts Point or King's Cross has really, really changed over yeah, the last yeah. 20 years or so. And you know, Redfern's such a central place and easy for everyone to get to wherever right. they live in Sydney. And, you know, our new home is walking distance from from about three really established, um, you know, Department of Housing communities as well. Right. So I think we're going to be... Um, really busy in our new in our new home no rest for the wicked as they say um but look we're looking forward to it that's what we're that's what our purpose is you know that's why we're here so looking forward to getting to know all the other services in Redfern and really um getting to know the community there and hopefully you know not doubling up on anything that's already there just sure planning and continuing on with, with on what you. we offer yeah right yeah look forward to seeing that develop and and again you won't be uh providing accommodation and that's no. always been the case hasn't it for lose place it's never wanted to from my conversations with a number of people over the years it's never really thought about yeah. being a place to provide accommodation can you just explain why that is because I often get that question you know yeah. how come they don't provide a bed for people yeah look I think there's some wonderful services who just have a long-standing reputation and experience for doing that work well and mm. it's just not what we do you know you know the refuges don't necessarily do our work you know which yeah. is you know about having day programs and education sessions and you know it's it's a different kind of setting everyone could do everything but I don't know maybe then you're not really honing into one thing that you do really well what we found is we've got this incredible community of volunteers who have got so much love and talent to share 
and that's really something we do really well and yeah. helping people connect and put to use all of those wonderful talents to support people who, who really deserve a fair go um, seems to be our, our special kind of magic. Well, good on you. And in terms of what people can give to lose, as far as I understand, you might be able to add to the list. So people can be volunteers. You need to be a woman to do that. Yes. <laughs> uh, you need to be over 18 to do that. Yep. Is that correct? That's still um, correct. It's still correct. All sorts of skills are, are welcome. You can provide donations uh, mm. in terms of financial donations, but also I know that we're Skegs, we've provided toiletries and clothing and socks and undies drives and all those sorts of things. Yeah. Anything else that you think out of that? Is there something else specific which you think on a fairly constant basis people could provide to help? I think you? you've summed it up really, Gary. I think that's 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 the list. You know, helping us spread the word about our work to a friend who might be interested as well sometimes mm. is, is really help, helpful. You know, giving us a like or a shout out on social media also is always, you know, really wonderful. But we couldn't do it without a community of supporters and, you know, the wonderful toiletry drives and socks and undie drives that Skeggs have done for us so many times over the years, you know, we'd be lost without them, actually. I mean, it sounds like such a simple thing, but, you know, for someone who's leaving violence, mm. um, who comes into us, who we, you know, quickly kind of assess and work out all the things that they need to do and help them create a bit of a plan, to be able to say, all right, don't worry, you forgot your pajamas or you don't have any clothes let's get all that sorted out for you right now and yeah hey let's um get you all the toiletries you need you just see the women you know oh my god thank you i hadn't even thought of that it's such a useful thing and practical thing that really helps someone feel better really really quickly so it's hard to put a price on it but we certainly really value it oh that's lovely and just finally, I mean, you do you do, do such a great job yourself and I know the, the work of Lou's around King's Cross, as I said, it wasn't around when I was working there, but I've seen it develop since I've been at Skeggs. What, what do you reckon keeps you going? Because as you said before, uh, it can be quite a depressing job and you can end the day just feeling pretty exhausted, I'm sure as you hear the stories and be involved with these people who have such difficult lives, what keeps you going? Mm, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I just don't like to give up. I, I really believe it's never too late. And I really believe that if people have the right kind of support and care, that anything's possible. Yeah, good on you. And I've I've seen that I've seen that over the years. You know, it's not just some kind of empty hopefulness that isn't grounded in reality. Uh, like I've, I've yeah, seen okay. that. Yeah. I've seen people that you would have you know thought, oh no way, I'm not sure this person will ever be able to come mm. back from all of this. It's been really rough. They're in a really dark place. Yeah. And you know what? I've seen people with the right kind of love and care and a bit of time, yeah. <laughs> lots of um, patience, 
and you know plenty of hard work and determination I've seen people turn it around yeah. and that's what keeps me going I think that's great now that, I think that's a fantastic answer because I that sense of hope and I've seen it from lots of people who've come through mm-hmm. across and in different organizations and work and some yeah. people have stayed a long time and some people who have found it tough because some of those people don't have that they think I'm going to come in and I'm going to do this and suddenly you know King's Cross is going to be totally different and um and does doesn't go to plan or the reality of it is that it takes a long time a long Mm -hmm. time to build relationships a long time to build trust a long time to really understand you know these stories are just so complex aren't they and just so entrenched as you said before generationally entrenched in a whole bunch of issues I think the other thing I would say, Gary, is like looking for the small wins. Yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes those small wins, you know, I'd probably be laughed out of town. You know, some people might go, Nick, are you sure that's even a win? No, definitely. But the smallest wins, you know, like I'm pretty, over the years I've developed that special sense of spotting them and finding them and trying yep. as best I can to hold on to them. You know, sometimes mm. a wound is just that person walking in the door. That is a, like almost a miracle, you know, like yeah. so spotting those small wins and just building on those small wins, I yep. think. I totally agree. There's a guy who you, you might know, I'm not sure you do, but the guy called Vince who's been living on the streets for a long, long time. Someone told me he's the longest person on the streets, 30-something years. Wow. And um, I still see him outside the school and I'm standing outside the school. And I've always said to him, why don't you come in and get a cup of coffee, Vince? No, no. But the day that he actually came in, and he was, mm-hmm. he was very sheepish and I got him a cup of coffee and he wouldn't come into the dining room. He stood outside down the bottom of the stairs. Mm-hmm. And... Being able to give him that cup of coffee is a bit, I think that's like what you mean, that small win. I remember that being a good day that he finally felt that it was okay for him to come in and just to get a cup of coffee. Yeah. I mean, beautiful. That's that's such a tremendous step for people, you know, like it's so sad, isn't it? But so many of the people we work with, they haven't, had people in their lives that they can trust mm. the the people in their lives who have hurt the most or have often been the the people who are in their family you know the people who we should be able to trust but those people have really let them down so um you know just trying to inch by inch chip away and you know build that trust it's it's slow work but yeah. it's really, really important. I think it was my first week at Lou's, um, one of our longer-term um, clients who's been coming to Lou's years and years and years before I even showed up. She was um, sitting in our courtyard and she was having a conversation with somebody and she, she was recovered from her heroin addiction Um, but she still comes to lose to be part of the family and she was talking to someone who was really in the thick of their addiction and she kind of I was checking up on her and just making sure they were both okay a little and after she came in I was like are you okay you know that was a beautiful chat you were having there you know you're a good soul and um, she said to me oh 
oh nick you know she'll do it when she's ready yeah, she'll do it yeah. When she's ready. it's good to be reminded isn't it? that's always stayed with me you know that that idea that people will do it when they're ready yeah staying with them it's very important great to talk to you nick it's, it's so lovely. lovely lovely to have you here with us and uh, if anyone has any questions about Luz or wants to make comments about what we've been talking about today, um, of course, you can contact me and I can put you in contact with Nick and uh, easy to look up Lou's place on the internet. I don't know, is it yeah. www something or other? Yeah, www.lou'splace.com.au. <laughs> Come and, you know, give us a like on Facebook or Insta and, um, you know, it's, you know lovely to be in touch with you all and you know just to say a massive thanks to Skeggs but a special thanks to you Gary like you really have cheered us on all the way and we we feel it we really appreciate you so much and all the great work you're doing there at the school as well so thank you from the bottom of our hearts no, it's my pleasure and it's been great to see it develop and it's, it is it's really great work and we want to continue to support it as much as possible so as usual, thank you again for listening. Really, if you do have things to say, I'd love to hear from you. Hope you're all okay. Take care, everyone. Look forward to uh, being in touch and maybe seeing you face-to-face -face sometime. Bye now.